Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. Uh, We're in a second week of a message series called Don't Look Back, and we are talking about, you guessed it, regrets. We are talking about the beginning of a new year, how do we navigate our lives out of the regrets maybe that we've been carrying for a long time, and navigate this year into a place where we aren't developing new regrets. Now, if you were here with us last week when we kicked off the message series, you know that I shared the story of something that I drastically and radically regret, um, which is, I just want you to know this, is I wanted to share that with you. I know that a lot of times, many of you, when you look at me as the pastor of the church, you see me as just a step below Christ. And I just wanted you to, I wanted you to know that there are things that I regret that I maybe have not done perfectly, as shocking as that is for you to believe. And so I would encourage you, you probably want to listen to the podcast if you want to hear that story. But I also felt like maybe I should share another one with you, again, just to like, just to be real with you. And so I want to share a story of a time uh, several years ago. Now, Compass wasn't always in this building. We used to be a portable church, and we used to meet at the Galaxy Theater here in town about five or six years ago. And we had portable road cases, and we wheeled everything in. We set up our sound stuff, and our, everything was just all done by volunteers. It was awesome. And we, because we were in the movie theater, I thought it was important to develop a good relationship with the theater manager and the, and the people who own the theater so that we could just, you know, it would be smooth. And so as I was talking to one of the managers there, she was telling me about her team and said that one of the assistant managers who was there every Sunday with us was pregnant. And, and she's going to have a baby soon. I was like, that's great. And so the next Sunday, I was there early, and everybody was setting up. And, and there's the assistant manager out by the snack bar. And I went out, and I started just chatting her up. And I was like, you know what? This is an opportunity for me to show that I'm invested in people's lives, that I listen, that I care about people. And so I just said, hey, so when are you expecting? <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> and she goes, she goes, oh, I'm not pregnant. And I was like, uh, 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 <laughs> and I was like, oh, I, I knew one of you was, and I, I just assumed it was you, which is crazy because I looked at you. I was like, there's no way this girl's pregnant. I mean, she looks too, like, <laughs> slender and just like, I don't yeah. <laughs> And then I immediately changed the subject and was like, hey, how about the new Batman movie? You know, I don't even know. But man, I think about that story. Has anybody else, like, asked a woman who's not pregnant if she's pregnant? It doesn't even matter. I regret that. And I think about that and like my face gets red and I get hot. Some of you guys, I heard some really good stories last week um, about regret. And I won't share them without permission. But man, if you've got some good stories about things that maybe you have done, please share. Just know it might be shared next Sunday. So either way, I wanted to, to share that with you because here's the thing. We all have regrets. Some of them are small and stupid and some of them we can laugh at. It's also really interesting how quickly a regret can develop. Like, they can happen really fast. I got on the bathroom scale yesterday, and when I looked at the number, I instantly had regret about how I had spent my last several weeks of the holiday season. Like, instant regret. It's been a month. And I'm like, oh, I hate myself. What am I even doing? Like, we can develop regrets really quickly. And some of those quick ones are easier to, to deal with because they're smaller. And then there's those regrets that some of us have that are a little bit bigger. Maybe it took more than, you know, two or three weeks to develop. Maybe they took two or three years for these regrets to develop over bad choices, uh, bad actions, uh, bad luck. And these are the regrets that like when you're laying in bed and you think about them, these, these are the things that keep you up. And it's like, it's really hard to go to sleep when you're rolling these regrets through your mind. But whether they're big regrets 
or whether they're small regrets, the thing is that God wants you to live a life free of regret. Last week, we opened up talking about how there is a path and a plan that God has for each and every single one of us to lead us out of that life of regret that maybe some of you are living right now. And then today, I want to talk about something a little bit differently. Today, I want to talk about not how do we navigate out of regret, but how can we begin to live a life so that we can keep regrets from developing in our lives at all. And so today I want to start off, I want to share some bad news with you first, okay? I think I need to kick this off just so that we're on the same page about some bad news, and that is this. In John 16, Jesus tells his disciples and us this truth. He says, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. In life, you will have pain, okay? Life is not easy. Life is not fair, it is, it is, bad things are going to happen to you and you will experience pain in your life. Now, sometimes these things happen to us and we can't control them. They are just, they're things that are just part of life that happen. And it's, you know, the, the betrayal, loss, uh, sickness, you know, there are things that happen to us in life um, that, that we just navigate, downsizing, you lose your job. When somebody mistakenly thinks you're pregnant when you're not. These are things that just happen to us in life. But there are also some things where we have the opportunity to pick our pain. And so, for example, in life, we have the, we have the opportunity to choose. We can either pick the pain of obeying our parents, or we can pick the pain of the consequences that happen to us when we don't. We can pick the pain of living within our means financially, or we can pick the pain of dealing with the consequences of digging ourselves out of debt in the future. We can pick the pain of studying now, or the pain of retaking a class, or taking a zero sometime in the future. We can pick the pain of saying no to temptation now, or we can pick the pain of, of dealing with addictions or, or habits that we have built up in the future. You see, I believe this, that many of the regrets that we struggle with and the direct regrets that we carry, I think they are, they are based on times where we chose the pain that we were going to deal with. And I think many of those regrets are times where we actually picked the pain of regret. But there's an alternative, you see, there's not just the, this choice of regret in our lives. We actually have an alternative to choose a different type of pain that can lead us down a different path where it doesn't, it doesn't saddle us with regret that we're going to carry for the rest of our life. And that is the pain of discipline. In life, you can choose your pain. And you can choose the pain of discipline or you can choose the pain of regret Knowing that there will be pain in your life, knowing that there will be hard choices and things that are difficult in your life, you can choose the pain of discipline or you can choose the pain of regret. And I want to talk about that today. To, to really get there, I think we need to define discipline. Like what is our, as a church, what is our working definition of what discipline is? And here's what it is. Discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want most. Discipline is choosing between what I want right now or choosing what I want most in life. Now, let me illustrate this. And, and again, I like to use real-world examples, so let me give you a real-world example out of my life that just happened just over this weekend. Uh, this weekend, I had to choose between what I want now, brownies, 
or 10 brownies and what I want most, and that is to fit into my jeans and not have to buy a whole new wardrobe. And guys, if you ever had a, had a belt line that like sucked into your gut, like you know what I'm talking about. I had to choose between what I wanted right now and what I wanted most. And I won't tell you what I chose, but I will say that that belt line is working itself into my gut right now. And actually, in our family, too, another great example. Our family, one of the things that we really value, that we love to do, is we love to go to Disney World. And we work really hard, we save a lot, we scrimp to be able to save all that we can to be able to go to Disney World. So we sacrifice a lot of things to do that. And this happens at least once a week. At least once a week, one of my kids will will ask us, like, Mom, is... Can we, like, can we have school lunch today instead of having to make our lunches? And so, like, every day our kids will get up or the night for it, and they'll make, like, a ham sandwich and, like, maybe throw some chips in a bag, and they brown bag it. And because there's any way I can, like, get lunch at school, it's only $3. And, like, normal West High School has a killer lunch. Dude, they serve gone gondola bread from Avanti's at Normal West. That's dope. They got really great lunch. And so my kid's like, Dad, it's $3. Can I just get school lunch today? And here's what we say every time. We say, I say, nope, you can't get lunch today. You know why? And they do. And they say, because we're going to Disney World. <laughs> because we as a family have decided that we are going to choose what we want most over what we want right now. And we've chosen between those two things. I know you want school lunch, but that $3 is going to sit aside and it's going to an account so that we can get what we want most, and that is going to Disney World. But the thing is that discipline, it's hard. Like, it's not easy. If it was easy to do this, we would all be, like, super disciplined, and our lives would all be, you know, really amazing. It's easier said than done. And I think it's not, I just think it's not natural to us to choose the thing that's best over the thing that we want right now. Or if when we do it, it, it at the very least, it's, it's inconsistent in how we apply those decisions. And if you struggle with regret, maybe carrying regrets from your past, or if you struggle with discipline, being a disciplined person, or choosing the right things in life, I want you to know this, that the Apostle Paul from the first century is someone who struggled with those exact same things. Last week we talked about Paul uh, and, and how he had massive amounts of regret. Paul was a, was a church planter. He really started much of the church in the first century. But before he was a follower of Jesus, he persecuted Christians. He hated the church. He hated Christianity. And he had regrets that were based on torturing, imprisoning, separating families, and even the, the regret of people whose lives were lost. Those things were on his conscience, and Paul had a lot of regret that he carried. And because Paul carried a lot of regret, I think Paul had a mindset that said, moving forward, I'm not going to develop any more regrets in my life. I am not going to live with the weight of those things anymore. I've been set free by God from that regret, and I'm going to do everything I can to not develop any more regrets in my life. And so if you've struggled with regret or you've struggled with discipline, Paul knows exactly what you are going through. In fact, Paul says this about himself in Romans, I'm sorry, in, uh, oh yeah, there it is, in Romans chapter 7, verse 15. Paul says, I don't really understand myself. Can anybody relate to that? I don't, I don't understand like my own thought processes. I don't really understand myself. He says, but I want to do what's right, but I can't. Instead, I do what I hate. I want to do what's right, but I can't. I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. Can you relate to that? It's like, I don't want to hit snooze 15 times, but 
you know? I, I don't want to eat this, but I ate the whole thing, you know? I want to do what's right. I want to do what's best. But for some reason, I just keep doing what I don't want to do. And then he's like, I'm just a miserable person. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? I want to stop doing these things that I regret. So how? How do I do this? And this is what's awesome. Paul, who, who's gone through the same things you and I have, who's, who's felt the same sense of like wanting to do what's right but not being able to do it, he says this. How do I do it? He says, thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So Paul's like, dude, who can, who can free me from this cycle of regret that I keep finding myself in? You know, whether it's the big regrets or the little regrets, it's like, how do I just break free of this cycle? And he doesn't say, I just have to work harder. He doesn't say, you know, it's willpower. It's just buckling down and, you know, pulling myself up by my brute straps. He doesn't say any of that stuff. In fact, Paul says the opposite. He says, who can free me from this cycle of regret? Jesus. Jesus can set me free. With Christ's help, I can change. With Jesus' help, I can break this cycle. I can be different. I can live a different life. I can be transformed. Did you know, and this, like, this is not just a willpower issue, this is a spiritual issue, okay? Especially if you are a follower of Jesus. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, you're not a Bible person, this is still good for you. If you are a follower of Jesus, this is absolute, must-understand truth for you. The word discipline has the same root as the word disciple. That means this, that a disciple of Jesus will be disciplined. A disciple, a follower of Jesus, will be someone for whom discipline is developed in their life. But here's what you gotta understand. We don't come to Jesus and say, I'm gonna be your disciple and I have to work harder so I can prove myself worthy of being a disciple of Jesus because that's not how God works. Jesus invites us to be his disciples and when we follow him, when we focus on following him, a byproduct of that is discipline in these other areas of our life. See, Jesus invites us to simply take step after step in his direction and then he deals with all of the other stuff in our life rather than it being, I've gotta deal with this stuff so that I can come follow Jesus. A disciple of Jesus will have discipline developed in their life. It's not muscling our way through. It's not developing more willpower. It's simply a matter of surrendering our lives to Jesus and allowing him to give us the strength to overcome, allowing him to give us the guidance and direction to be able to overcome these things in our life and trusting him and following him and allowing him to do the work inside of us. But once we say yes to Jesus and following him, discipline is developed in our lives as a matter of choosing what I want most over what I want now. Let me say that again. It's a matter of choosing what I want most over what I want now with God's help. And Paul describes how he learned to kind of pick the, the path of discipline and how that plays out in his life. And so this is what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He says, don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. Like we're in a race. Like Paul's like, listen, Life, it's a race. 
You're an athlete in this race of life. There is a prize at the end of it. There is something God wants to reward you with. There's something he wants to do in your life. There's this thing that you want most. And if you want it most, it's the prize. And you need to run the race to win that prize. He continues on to say this. He says, he says all athletes are disciplined in their training. And they do it to win a prize that's going to fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. We run this race for a bigger picture. We run this thing for something eternal. And like, we're talking about an eternal prize with Christ in heaven, but let's just boil it down into like my life right now. It's not just an eternal prize someday, it's right now. Because the choices that I make ripple through all of my relationships in every part of my life. Choosing what I want most over what I want now impacts my marriage. And that has ripple effects into my wife's life. Choosing what I want most over what I want now impacts my children, and it ripples into their lives, and that's going to ripple through their children's children's lives, into my grandchildren's lives, and in my great-grandchildren's lives. Like, our choices have eternal consequences that go beyond just us. And Paul, he's saying, listen, your life is like a race, and you need to look at it and treat it like you're an athlete training to win. Now, the people who are reading what Paul is saying right here, they totally get it. Because there's this thing, it was very similar to the Olympics that existed right back then, and they were called the Isthmian Games. And inside these games was this massive race. And if you were an athlete who was training for this race, there's a big process uh, that went into training for it. There was a 10-month training period to be in the Isthmian Games. And inside this training period, there was strict exercise routine. There were strict diet expectations. You couldn't eat junk food. You couldn't drink wine. You had to eat only these healthy things. They were exposed to extreme heat and extreme cold so that they could develop endurance, right? So that like, no matter how cold or how hot it was, they, they had the endurance to navigate through these things because they wanted to win the race, They wanted to train their bodies to navigate the suffering that was inevitable in that race. Because, listen, I don't know if you know this, like, but running, it's hard. It's not fun, and it hurts. And like some of you guys are like, oh, but the runner's high. And I'm like, you're going to hurt because I'm going to slap you in the face. I don't want to hear about the runner's high. Running hurts. And if you want to run a race to win, like, it's going to hurt. But great runners know this, that I'm going to choose the pain in training so that I can navigate the pain of the race. And that's what Paul's talking about. That's what these runners did. They trained themselves. They took it seriously. Uh, the writer of Hebrews chapter 12, he kind of takes this race analogy about life, and he, he continues on with this thought that Paul has. And he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let's strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And this is important. It says, let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Your life is a race, and God has set this path before you. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, run it with endurance. Run it with strength. Train for it. Take it seriously. And you know what else he says? He says this. He says, let us strip off every weight that so easily slows us down. Like, this is connected to the Isthmian games, too. Because do you want to know what these people would do? They did everything they could to get every possible advantage because they wanted to win. They wanted to win the prize so bad that they did everything that they possibly could to gain every advantage, up to and including. When they ran the race, they ran it naked. 
because they were not gonna run with clothes on that might possibly slow them down. And like, this is what's, that's crazy, right? And this is what they're thinking. They're like, okay, I, and if it's me, it's like, I do not, under any circumstances, want to experience the pain of being naked in front of thousands of people running this race, ever. But what I want most is I want to win this thing. I want it bad. So the pain right now of being naked in front of everybody or, the, or winning this thing, whoo, okay, whoo, let's do this. <laughs> They, they stripped everything off because they just wanted to win. Okay, li- and listen, this is what the writer of Hebrews continues to say, right? Because they would do everything they could to get what they wanted most. They chose between what they wanted now and what they wanted most to do that. So how do we do that? How's that lived out in the life of a follower of Jesus? Or even just someone who's living in this world right now is just like, I, I get what you're saying, Chris, but how do I live this out? What is the secret? What is the key? How do we choose what we want most over what we want now? And this is what the writer of Hebrews says. We do this. He's like, thank you for asking. We do this. By keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. There's two things in there that are super important for us to get. And the first is this, is that the writer of Hebrews is just reiterating what Paul has already said. He's saying, listen, this is not a matter of willpower. This is not a matter of buckling down. This is an issue, a spiritual issue, of trusting in Jesus. How do we overcome? How do we be disciplined? We do it by just keeping our eyes on Jesus. Not the things we need to be disciplined on. No, we keep our eyes on Jesus. And in keeping our eyes on him, he empowers us. He strengthens us. He's the champion. He's already won this thing, and he wants us to win as well, and he's going to lead us through it. But then there's this other thing that's really important for us to grasp. Why is it that, that keeping our eyes on Jesus works? And it works because Jesus walked this path already before us. You see, Jesus had to pick his pain. Jesus had to choose between what he wanted right now and what he wanted most. And the writer of Hebrews tells us that Jesus endured the cross. Why did Jesus endure the pain of the cross? Why did he suffer through that pain? He went through it so that he could get what he wanted most. Jesus suffered the cross because what he wanted most was us. He suffered the cross so that he could initiate and perfect your faith. So he could redeem and restore your relationship with the God who dreamed you up, who created you, who loves you and has a plan and a purpose for your life. And when Jesus weighed these things out and he said, listen, okay, what I want right now is not to suffer, is not to be tortured, is not to be crucified, and is not to die. But when he looked at the pain of of suffering that or the pain of living in eternity without the people who he loves, he chose what he wanted most. Jesus was willing to forego and lay down his own life for the lives that he valued more than his own, our lives. You see, Jesus understands choosing the pain of discipline over the pain of regret. Jesus understands what it means to choose what you want most over what you want right now. And so when he invites us into a life of discipline, 
He's not angry. He's not judgmental. He's saying, I've walked this path and I can help you. If you just keep your eyes on me, I will help you develop discipline. I will help you develop endurance. When we closely follow Jesus, he always leads us on the path of what's best for us. Always. Always. And we can trust him because he walked this path himself. Jesus ran to win a prize that was more valuable than his own life, our lives. And now he's giving us the example to follow in order to live the best life that we could possibly live today. And so the question as I close, the question that we need to ask ourselves, that I want you to ask yourself is this, what do I need to choose now to achieve what I want most? What do you need to choose now in order to achieve what you want most in life? What right now things do you need to forego in order to get something that's so much better and so much bigger in your future? I know that going into 2020, we think about resolutions. And what are those things? For, for many of us, especially followers of Jesus, I know every time I go into a new year, I always resolve to be closer to God. And maybe that's you. Maybe you, maybe you felt distant from God and you just like, this is the year my relationship with him is going to change. So what do you need to change right now in order to get what you want the most? We well, need to get connected to him. You need to spend time in the word. Maybe you need to spend time in prayer. That's what you need to choose right now. Maybe for you, you need to get connected into the, into the, the life of the church body. Maybe for you, you've just been skimming the surface once a month, popping in on a Sunday, and you don't know anybody, and you're not connected, and you're not serving, and you're not in a group, and you're missing out on the great strength that comes from being connected into the body of Christ, the people who he created you to do life with, and you're not close to God because you've said, I don't really value relationship with God's people. And so maybe what you need to choose now is to just show up. Maybe it's you need to serve. Get into a group. If you want to be close to God, what do I need to choose now, maybe I need to choose the pain of making God a priority in my calendar over the pain of having a full calendar and I'd just rather be able to not have anything on and I can just stay home. Maybe that's the pain you need to choose, the pain of discipline, disciplining myself to be around God and his people over the pain of having a calendar with events on it. Maybe, maybe for you, what you really want most is, is you want kids who follow Jesus. I know that's important for us too. I want kids who follow Jesus. Well, what do you need to do now to get what you want most? Well, I can, I can tell you, like, if you want kids who follow Jesus, maybe you need to go through the pain of having them complain about the fact that they don't want to go to kids' church and they don't want to go to youth group because they're just tired. But you're like, no, this matters. It's important to me that you follow Jesus, so you are going. You're going to be there. And we would never, like, our kids, if our kids are like, I don't want to go to school, it's too hard, we would never go, oh, sweetie. Yeah, you're right. Let's not do that. Because our kids' education is important enough to us that we are willing to put them through the pain of going to school every single day. But, but for some of us, even though we want kids who follow Jesus, we're perfectly content to say, you know what? It's okay. Let's just take a break. Are you willing to forego the pain right now of having kids who are complaining to forego the pain of kids someday who are like, I'm glad you have your faith, mom, but that's just not for me. Maybe for you, what you want most is, you know, you want to lose that 20 pounds. What do you need to do right now? Maybe you need to get a gym membership. Maybe you need to find a trainer, like steps that you need to do right now for what you want most. Maybe you want to be out of debt and you want to be healthier financially. 
Like, what do you need to do right now? Maybe you need to set up a budget. Maybe you need to live within your means. Maybe you need to talk to somebody who can help you make the right choices in order to get through that. Maybe you want a better marriage. What do I need to do right now? Put a date night on the calendar. It's non-negotiable. Maybe you're at a point right now where it's like you need, maybe you need to see a counselor to get you guys on the same page. Wherever you're at, what do I need to do right now to get what I want most in life? Maybe finally for you, you just want to be free of this addiction, this habit that you can't shake. Maybe what you need to do right now is you need to admit you have a problem. You need to tell somebody. You need to make yourself accountable. Maybe you need to get into a group. Maybe you need to get into some sort of recovery system. The point is this. We have to ask ourselves the question, what am I willing to do right now to get what I want most? And then follow Jesus into the decisions, into the pain of the discipline, over the pain of our future regrets. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I am done with regret. I am determined to, to not get to the end of my life and look back and say, I wish I'd done this differently. I wish I'd done this better. I will not get to the end of my life and, and say, I wish that I'd prayed for my kids more. Or I wish that I'd encouraged my kids to get involved more in, in the body of Christ because I, I will not have that regret. I will not get to the end of my life and be laying in a bed and say, you know what? I wish that I'd taken better care of my body because this is miserable. And if I'd just taken better care of myself, I wouldn't be in this spot. I am done with regrets. I'm not going to have those anymore. I'm not going to get to the end of my life and look back and say, I just wish that I just spent more time investing in my relationship with God because I know everything would have been better. I know all the doubts and regret and the shame and brokenness that I kept living over and over again in my life. The, the things I kept hitting my head against a brick wall, I know that would have been different, but I just... I just didn't do it. I will not have that regret anymore. And I want us as a church to purpose and be determined to be done with regret. To let it go and to be done. To choose to have no regrets. To refuse to say, I wish I'd spent more time with my kids. To refuse to say, I wish I'd just forgiven that person so that I could have had a relationship with them, but now it's too late. To refuse to carry the regrets of those things. I don't ever want anyone to say, I never planned on being here. I never planned to end up here and I wish I'd done things different so that I didn't have to be here with these things that have ruined the course of my life. I will refuse to be short-sighted. I will refuse to be plagued by regrets. And like Paul, we will run with purpose in every step. And we will run with purpose in one direction, and that is after Jesus. Because chasing Jesus, pursuing him and following him, being his disciples will develop the discipline. And it will allow us the strength and the guidance and the purpose to choose the pain of discipline over the pain of regret. What is the pain that you will choose today? And I hope it's the pain of saying, I will discipline myself. I will train myself like an athlete to follow after him. Jesus, I thank you so much that, Lord, even though, Lord, I have, I have regrets and there are things that I look back that I wish I had done differently, Lord, that you have a path to lead us out of those things. And I thank you even more, God, that you have a plan to keep us from developing any more of those regrets in our lives at all. And Jesus, I pray for every single person in this room, God, I pray that you would help us to choose between what we want most and what we want right now and to choose wisely 
God, that nobody in this room, God, would ever have to deal with the pain of any regrets that are, that are formed after this day because every single person in this room has said, I can, I can overcome those things by purposing in my mind to train myself and to, to run with purpose towards Jesus. And with your help, Jesus, I can overcome this habit. I can overcome drinking. I can overcome smoking. I can overcome uh, my pornography addiction. I can overcome Lord, my, my addiction to social media and worrying and caring about what other people think about me all the time. God, that I can overcome my broken relationships, that all of these things can be conquered and overcome when I run towards you. Jesus, I will refuse to regret the choices I make today because I put my hope and my trust in you. God, I pray that you would let me live a life free of regret, a life of love, of purpose, of health, and of hope. I thank you, God, for the path that you laid out for me, the path, the race that you've called us, us to run. And I thank you, God, Lord, that when we train ourselves, then we discipline ourselves in every step to run after you, God, that your promise is that it's through you that we can do the things that we want instead of choosing the things that we wish we hadn't. Lord, I love you and I thank you and I pray all of this in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com.